is Christopher McFarlane, the host of the new podcast pod show, Red Enigma Movie Reviews. What I'll usually be doing is reviewing movies that were around in the past century because that's when all the good movies were made. And occasionally I'll be reviewing new movies so I don't seem too out of date. But I already said all that in the promo, so no use repeating everything. But uh, tonight I will be reviewing a movie called Visiting Hours. Now, this is a movie from 1982 or came out in 82 in America. It is a Canadian film directed by Jean-Claude Lord, who is kind of well known in the Canadian film industry particularly in Quebec, I believe. Uh, I know I'm going to need to look up more info about these people, so just bear with me. I'm the only one talking tonight. You know, as soon as we get more people and more, more responses and whatnot, I'll be able to add more to this. But I thought I would start with a movie that I had reviewed a long time ago and it was just for a couple of people to see and see where it was it probably lasted a little longer than it needed to but bear with me I'm still just trying to you know get a hold of this get my foot in the door I noticed that a lot of podcasts tend to take forever to review something where they'll spend like 30 minutes talking about what happened in their personal life or they'll start talking about something that really has nothing to do, which we'll probably be doing when we have more people talk. But I'm, but and that's neither here nor there. What I want to do right now is jump into the review or my review of Visiting Hours. Um, this is a movie that came out in 19, again, 1982, I believe it was April, let me take a look, I believe it was 19, I know it was 1982, but I want to make sure I have the right info, it came out May 28th, 1982, and it had a budget of six million and it grossed about 13.3 million at the box office which i guess wasn't bad but i don't think it was quite what you know the, the makers were hoping for but you know there's probably plenty of reasons for that but we'll get into that as we go through the review Now, to summarize what the movie's about, I'll give a brief summary. It's about this woman, played by Lee Grant. Her name is Deborah Ballin, I believe. She is a feminist-type person, and she's on a television show with a lawyer. And I think it's the lawyer defending... Or... um, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. I think he's defending... Or he's against the woman who shot and crippled her husband for life. But the thing is, the husband may have attacked this woman first. 
and that's what Lee Grant's character was basically doing was defending the woman and yeah you know it's possible that that's what happened well nonetheless um, somebody is watching the show which you will see somebody who might be the janitor of the building that they're in and he obviously just by the way he rips off the plug after seeing the episode let's say he's not too happy with that interview and obviously her producer played her boyfriend played by Captain Kirk himself William Shatner well she kind of, he kind of feels like maybe she she may be overstepping her boundaries a bit you know as he he says to her you know it's not her job to take sides which is like most journalists their job is not to take sides but obviously they do and most of them take sides on one particular side but we'll get into that in another time if at all um she's starts art she argues with him she gets home someone has obviously been in her house she first thinks it's her maid who may have not cleaned clean 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 whatever up her home and you know five minutes go by you know where I guess she's wondering what's happening you know she doesn't really suspect anything but then out of nowhere this guy wearing her his her maids make her jewelry sorry starts attacking her uses a knife to slash her and but doesn't quite kill her no matter how hard he tries which is basically the recurring <laughs> occurrence in the movie but she somehow gets away from him hides in a dumb waiter where he finds her he cuts the wire off the dumb waiter she falls down it and she sees her dead maid but somebody comes to the house and rescues her so even though she's bruised up pretty badly she survives the ordeal and then you then you see the main villain that the one the guy that attacked her his name is Colt Hawker and he's played by a great character actor Michael Ironside who you probably know from classics like Scanners and Total Recall among others this guy is just this guy is great and he's great here he's like a he's 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 an ultimate killer badass killer and I'll get to why in just a second well they he gets to his place and you see on his wall all these letters that he has written to people and as it's clearly the guy has issues with women and he has an issues with probably minorities as well this guy is probably what hollywood stereotype of a right wing impotent person would be um and he gets he 
He's just, uh, well, when you see him, he opens up his closet and there are pictures of other women that he has attacked, killed, and he's take and he's taken pictures of them while he's doing it. And the next scene, you see him get get the knife he used to attack Lee Grant's character, Deborah Ballin, and a camera, and he goes on his way to the hospital she's at. And well. He gets in the hospital. He goes to the room he thinks she's in. He doesn't realize that she's been moved to another room. And he goes and she's like on life. This woman's on life support. And he cuts the life the cords to the life support, not realizing that it's another woman. But nevertheless, he makes the most of it while she's dying. He takes pictures of her while she's dying. And and then he kills a nur- another nurse in there. It's pretty pretty good scene, pretty effective. And then one of the nurses that has has been looking out will be looking out for Deborah Ballin, who also becomes friends with her throughout the film. Now she's a target too, and she's a target because he heard her on the phone talking about the guy that attacked. Deborah Ballin and that he should be caged up and fed raw meat. And I believe that made him really mad. And that's it's now it's not just Deborah Ballin, it's this nurse. And then he later goes to her house. He doesn't do anything, but he he follows her to her house. She doesn't realize it at the time. And then he gets and then he just leaves her alone then picks up this young this young um tramp and then he takes her back to his place he roughs her up a bit but obviously he lets her go because you'll see her again later um and then that's kind of what happens throughout the movie she doesn't she first see the Deborah Ballin character thinks at first that it was just a robbery gone wrong and why didn't he just take what he wanted and leave okay but then when he found out that the woman that was in her room originally was killed she starts to realize that this guy is after her he wasn't just trying to break in and take stuff he was basically out to silence her base you know to shut her up as it were and she's having to get surgery before she goes back on TV and have that second interview and she gets through the surgery even though you see where he's actually in that same room but she gets to the surgery all he basically does is no i think let her know that his presence is there he 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 has he had like a necklace that was ringing you know he left a necklace of his somewhere to where i guess he was trying to let her know that he was there but where was the question um and that's basically how the rest of the movie goes is he tries 
he basically the guy keeps killing the wrong people you know he kills this one guy and then that's next to her then he tries to kill her but some people come around before he can do anything so he escapes from the hospital then they seal the place he escaped from so what does he got to do he's got to think of something else to do in order to get in that hospital to get her so he does something like you know tie a belt or a tube around his wrist or his arm and then take all these pills and then put all these beer bottles like right in the on a counter and takes his one of his arms and throws it on the bottles to basically get him unconscious and get sent to the hospital clever way to do it i guess but you know i probably would try to think of something else but then again i'm not cold hawker but he gets in there he goes after her but at the end of the but at the end he doesn't quite succeed in killing her she actually succeeds in killing him and that's basically the end of the movie i will say this William Shatner does not get killed in this movie. In fact, he really has no reason to be in this movie. He's basically there, I guess, to add some star power. He's her boyfriend producer. I mean, he does well, I guess, for for what is written for him. I mean, he's not a hindrance. It's just you could have had the movie without him. Okay, I will say this. This movie had potential. And even though I like the movie, I'm going to give it 3 and a half fingers. Okay. The movie reviews I will be doing will be based on 0 to 5 fingers. Um it's just something I thought of in the clear blue night. Um I'm going to give this one a 3 and a 3.5. that the reason I'm doing it is because it was too long. I mean, it had the right tone, I thought, and the killer was a badass because he wasn't like your typical This was the era when it was starting to be more having supernatural type serial killers like Michael Myers and Fry and Jason and then later Freddy Krueger. And then you have this guy who just all he has is a knife and a camera and he basically that's all he really needs he doesn't say a whole lot which i which i dig as well um the back story the character does have a back story which kind of explains why he's the way he is but somehow i i guess it was done okay um the scenes that what they showed is like him playing in the dirt with his father and the scene looks pretty uncomfortable cuz the father's on top of him rubbing dirt on him and it's almost like i can't tell whether it just seems very uh disturbing like there might be some kind of well let's just go with that it's just something disturbing about it and then he sees his father 
and his mother arguing and the and the mother pours hot boiling water on him which obviously causes him to go into a home but the mother disappears which might it explains a bit why he is the way he is but somehow I kind of feel like that could have been done a little better and maybe a little more to the point but as far as acting goes the acting is pretty good the you know I could tell that this movie was a Canadian film by some of the camera angles and sometimes I I could have sworn I heard some dubbing from some of the actors like some of the voices didn't quite match up to the the people speaking them but that that that's neither here nor there um the story's pretty good but another problem i had i almost feel like the movie should have been bloodier for a movie like this there should have been a bit more blood that would have added a little to it and take and i think for a slasher film it was too long um certain scenes drag a bit they could have taken 15 minutes out of this movie make it a little bloodier and i think they would have had a neat little i think it would have been more appreciated than it is now because it's got a lot going for it it's not you know there've been reviews on it that are okay not bad but i've read reviews for it that are not good and really don't talk about it doesn't get as much attention as i feel it should and some might say it has its reasons for that it's definitely not a perfect movie it's not one of the best slasher thrillers but i mean this is the era of halloween 2 and there was another hospital movie horror slasher film called X-ray or aka Hospital Massacre which I think I'll be reviewing in the near future um it's a canon film and it's it's silly as shit but it's very entertaining and I would say it gets to the point and it's in a place that looks more like an old dormitory than it does an actual hospital And I didn't know you could smoke in a hospital, but I guess you could back then. But I'll talk all about that at another time. But I kind of felt visiting hours needed to to add a little more to the blood and cut back on a lot of the fat. Certain scenes like I say go on for too long, and there's just certain scenes you could just completely do away with. Um Honestly, you could have cut out the scenes with William Shatner. <laughs> I mean, it just didn't seem like it was necessary. I mean, you could have gotten somebody that might have been recognized and just use him less. And then you had uh the woman who played that nurse that was looking after her. She was really good and she was somewhat recognizable. I think she was on Happy Days at that time. and she has gone on to do stuff Linda Pearl's her name so you had that going for you and um maybe i i will say maybe 
there were moments where they could have shown the killer less. Like, the thing about Jaws that I really love, and I think a lot of people do, is you don't even, you don't see the shark till like late in the movie. Now, I know it's going to be different here because it's, it's obvious you have to show him. Otherwise, it really wouldn't make a whole lot. It just wouldn't. It'd just be kind of weird if you didn't. But show him less. Almost like make him seem more of a presence. It's like when Jaws wasn't. Like maybe when Jaws wasn't around. Or the scenes didn't necessarily involve him killing someone. It didn't. The scenes without him were just as important. Because his presence was there. Even when he wasn't there, you could just feel him around the corner. And that's what I felt they could have done here. Um, but here, let me let me sum this up like this. The good, Lee Grant, she was great in it. Michael Ironside obviously steals the show. I mean, he's in it a lot, a lot more than probably necessary. But but when he's in, he doesn't really, he doesn't say anything, and he's mostly pretty badass. But I'm saying you didn't have to show him as much. But still, you know, I do like the fact that he doesn't say much, and when he fails at his attempt. At killing Lee Grant's character, he just goes with the flow and makes the most of it. He doesn't give up. He just, you know, wipes the dirt off his shoulder, regroups, and tries again. He's at least persistent. At least you got a persistent guy. That's that's something. And I think the tone was pretty good. I read that. And I've seen things about this movie being a video nasty, and I really like the review that a guy named Glenn Creedle did. He's he's got a site on YouTube called The Nasties Review, and he does a hell of a job of reviewing this movie and reviewing a lot of movies, particularly the ones on that video nasties list. The video's Lat Nasties was, of course, a list in Britain of movies that were considered dangerous or bad, and, 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 and you know, you gotta basically banish off the face of the earth. They're a danger. They were dangerous influence or something. Movies like Evil Dead, Cannibal Holocaust, um, The Fun House. Um, a couple of the Fulci movies, like The Beyond, but what's weird is some of these movies really don't belong on there, and I think Visiting Hours really does not belong on there because it has a vicious tone to it, but it's not that bloody, and there are other movies that could have been on that list and deserved it a lot more. One, The New York Ripper, and me, and another, Maniac. They had a more darker, grimmer tone, and they were bloodier. And they basically were—they had less padding. You know, they got more to the point. They had the courage of their convictions. 
visiting hours, I think, is trying to be a bit more respectable. Well, because it's released by a mainstream, it was dist- or distributed by a mainstream movie studio, and I think it was trying to have more of a message. So it wasn't going to go too much into the grimy or gritty, but it doesn't quite make it as a classic. But I consider it a damn good try. It's enjoyable to me. I, I still like the movie. Like I say, in spite of its flaws, it's still a movie worth checking out. Mostly for Michael Ironside. At that time, no matter how bad the movie might have been, he was always worth seeing, and he continues that to this day. So. You know, that's all well and good. So, I guess to round to bring it to a close, Visiting Hours released 1982, March no May I'm sorry May 28, 1982, in Quebec I think outside of Montreal, which is a plus for the movie. I I I kind of dug the fact that it was. Released in one of my favorite cities, and there's something about it that you could tell is not quite American about it, but that's cool, you know. I never really got, well, I guess I sort of do. Why in Canada most of these tax shelter films couldn't mention that they were in Canada, like they had to pretend to be an American city or wherever. You know, some of these movies you would see like an American flag hanging out, or they would mention America, or they would show some American flag or something that makes it seem more like it's in an American area. I guess they felt it was more commercial, or that it was uncommercial to film in Canada. I don't know. It really doesn't matter. I mean, that was then. During the tax shelter era, and yeah, that area gets a lot. Doesn't really get a lot of respect, but I grew up with a lot of those kind of '70s, '80s tax shelter, low-budget horror films from Canada. I mean, you got the David Cronenbergs. I mean that you have that, and you have a couple other really good movies from that era. The Silent Partner, which I'll be reviewing in the future.、Um, trying to think. Well, a movie called The Pit. I will definitely be remove, reviewing that movie, and I'll probably have some other people with me that that help discuss it as well.、Um, But yeah, I guess that's it. it、uh, it's 1982, three and a half fingers, not a lot of blood, but some effective killing scenes. Too long, maybe needed to be shortened for 12 to 15 minutes. The characters are, you know, I would say pretty well written for a horror type movie. Uh, somehow, I think it was trying to have. I think it had ambitions and potential, but it doesn't quite fulfill that potential. And sometimes 
the ambitions get lost along the way. But like I say, it was there was I could see the passion and let's say it was entertaining to me for the most part and it was a damn good try as far as as far as its intentions going okay i guess that's going to be it for now remember this is just the first episode um as we do more i'll have more people i'll have more of a clear vision Right now I'm just trying to test the waters and see where it goes from there. Um I guess that'll be it and everybody have a good night and if you have any movies that you want me to review request them and feel free to request them and if I haven't seen them I will definitely check them out and let you know what I think and hopefully it will be a lot more clear as we time moves on. All right, have a good night and take it easy.